Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Voice of Reason podcast. It feels like friendship. Hello, this is Benjamin Boyce, your host of the Voice of Reason podcast. Today's guest is Posey Parker, who is a controversial figure in the trans rights, women's rights discussion or debate, depending on where we're at in that conversation. In this particular conversation, we have more of a dining room style discussion without raised voices rather some raised glasses. She's drinking uh, some sort of white wine, and I'm just drinking water because the time differential between the Pacific Northwest and the United Kingdom dictates different fluids are in play. Well, I mean, depending on the, the, the people imbibing and, and speaking into the microphone. Anyhow, this discussion follows a little bit more into the Posey Parker phenomena. Um, I don't think how it couldn't be a phenomenon. She's pretty phenomenal uh, woman, uh, adult human female woman. Um, that's her slogan. That's her one of her causes or one of the things in which she has arranged her position in order to get it out into the world. And so this particular version of the discussion around women's rights and trans rights is a little, it, it covers some combative territory. And I hope that you guys understand by now that my desire is just to have conversations with people from different perspectives. And I think that in aggregate, it makes much more sense than me just deciding on what I agree with, what I disagree with. That being said, I'm going to get out of the way. You guys can enjoy the company of Posey Parker. Here she is. I, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, as our first question, at what point in your life did you switch from a force of nurture to a force of nature? Uh, I've kind of been like this forever. Um, so my first encounter with dealing with an awkward situation well was when I was about 11. And we were in, my, my parents and I were in a, um, uh, a big store and we were in the cafe and it was like a massive treat, that sort of thing. And a guy came and sat at the table while I was waiting for my parents. And I said, well, you can't sit there. And he said, yes, I can. And I said, no, you really can't sit there. And I was very Somerset at the time, so I had a broad West Country accent. And I said, no, you can't sit there. And he said, um, why not? And I said, because there's other people sitting there. He said, are you insane? And I said, no, but my voice will get really loud. And then everyone will think you're horrible for sitting next to a, a little girl at a table that you don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so out, out of the gate, you were uh, mm. declaring... Uh, territory, I guess, and, and bringing attention to what was going on in your life. A strong sense, I think. I hope. I mean, I'm, I'm probably really, really inconsistent and uh, a hypocritical liar, but I, I hope that hmm. I um, have kind of been the same person my whole life. What did you and end up uh, studying or focusing on? <laughs> Well, I'm an anti-theist, or I was. I'm probably not quite so devoutly anti-theist anymore. I'm an atheist, but I studied theology. Oh, really? 
from the position of wanting to disprove it or explore it or from a kind of well for a start i thought university was going to be like fame like the kids from fame where you sit in really small little chairs with desks on and you talk about philosophy and it's a this amazing academic pursuit with not much work and lots of talking um and so i thought theology was going to be this great seek uh, search for universal truth because if all the creation stories were identical or all the kind of beliefs we held in somewhere were exactly the same without any crossover or contamination of any other stories then they might be truthful there may be merit but hmm. um, we didn't do that <laughs> at all what did you do instead oh we did a lot of catholic um Oh. philosophy and uh it's a long time ago i mean i think we did catholic feminism for a start catholic don't, feminism yeah don't I, yeah yeah don't ask okay <laughs> just, i mean get, i had a great get time to is that like the first uh is that the first uh... <laughs> i think so <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't a very good student but nowadays you're doing something else you're confronting an ideology of a certain sort. And I wonder, before we talk about the ideolo ideological batter, battle that you're embattled in, is there like a crossover between uh, your anti-theist um, mindset and then how you've been uh, deconstructing like the gender ideology stuff? Is there a crossover on a the theoretical level at all, you think? I think I've always, uh, so I've never believed in God. I'm, I'm a gold star atheist. Um, I've never had any belief. My father has never had any belief. So kids, when, when children were four and we all had to bow our heads to pray, I very much didn't bow my head. And I think what that meant is that I was, I've always been okay saying that I don't go along with something that everybody else does. So it probably has given me, you know, stood me in good stead uh, to be the person that doesn't mind being the odd one out as long as i'm as long as i'm truthful mm -hmm. and there's a big uh, i guess tradition of atheists engaging with theists and theists engaging with atheists and having discussions and debates and arguments about that and you know offline and online um yeah. so are you have you found yourself like trying to engage directly with people who you disagree with on the gender front or is it or are you guys kind of just making statements are you are you, are you playing a different kind of i think tactic? with well with this particular ideology so a theist and normally uh, somebody who has great faith in god they're prepared to talk about it because their 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 belief system is quite unshakable and how they find their route to god is is something that is uh really deeply personal and so and they believe it you know they genuinely believe it they don't just believe it when it suits them they genuinely do believe that in their deepest darkest moments or the most thrilling episodes of their life are guided somehow by god and there's a purpose to it so they will discuss their beliefs um, and they don't expect at the end of the conversation that i agree with them and i don't expect <laughs> for them to throw their belief away and say well actually actually now that you've said it like that i i really don't believe in god anymore um but with the gender stuff, that is not remotely similar. That is people that are very gung-ho and very adamant that the whole trans stuff is real are much more mortally offended 
or pretend to be, I think, actually. I don't think they really are. Uh, but they will be much more angry and aggressive if you don't agree. And I think that's because their belief is not so quite so uh, sturdy. It kind of came out of nowhere um, for me, from my standpoint. Um, you've had mm. a different trajectory. Did it come out of nowhere for you, like this adamant um, gender uh, you know, reformulation of what society is supposed to think about it? I think so. well I didn't know it was happening uh but then I am a you know a straight married woman stay at home don't work hasn't haven't had to do silly pronoun nonsense at work didn't really hadn't impacted my kids schools up to sort of 2015 and then all mm. of a sudden without any consent from anybody really uh all of a sudden you couldn't say trans women were men mm -hmm. and I think that was the first thing that you couldn't say and then you couldn't then they're trans women are women now trans women are female and now the idea of being a woman in your head is more important than your anatomy so it's and very fast somehow they they got the backing of the state to do this with regards to the police and uh, i mean mm. you detailed in your trigonometry uh interview that you were i don't know if harassed is the right way but you're prosecuted or kind of strong-armed by the government to change your 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 behavior right. yeah i was interviewed under caution so what that means in the united kingdom is that the police will interview and, and record it uh so you're you sort of uh, you agree to tell the truth and you don't have to make a statement we don't quite have the right to remain silent um oh. but you can say no comment and you can submit okay. Uh, prepared statement. So I was interviewed twice by the police, which, and, and if I didn't go the first time round, I wasn't allowed to leave the country. And they said, if I, if I got pulled over for speeding, then they would arrest me. And if it took too long, they'd come to my house, arrest me in front of my family and put me in the cells awaiting the chaps from up north to come down and interview me, which could take a really, really long time. They actually said that to you. Mm. Yeah, on the phone. Because <laughs> I was like, why would the they? First... <laughs> well, because they wanted to get me into that. Because what they wanted an easy, they wanted an easy path. So when they first spoke to me, they were really friendly and lovely. This sort of um, chap from up north, and he was really friendly. And he said, "Oh, you know, and and if you don't attend the interview, then you'll be wanted." And I was, <laughs> I was having such a joyous, like happy conversation that I. Well, I always wanted or something really frivolous. And then when I asked the second time in the second conversation, when I employed a lawyer, uh, he was much less friendly. And he said, yeah, we'll we'll arrest you. And if you don't, you know, if you don't come to the interview, then you can't leave the country and so on. That's what wanted means. You said that they were, you think that they were looking for an easy path. So an easy path for what? Were they just trying to get points on some level or... <laughs> Yeah, well, you get someone in a room and then you can make them basically uh, admit to a crime that doesn't necessarily exist. So uh, if they don't have anything on you, then it's very difficult to send it off to the crime prosecution service to say that you can be charged. But if you get someone in a room and you antagonize them and they say something that um, reaches a qualifier for a transphobic hate crime, then you can probably say to me at the end of the interview, well, we're going to give you a caution, which is a criminal record. 
So why are, why are they pursuing hate crimes? Are they under... I've, I've seen this in in the UK over the past year or two years. Is they're really promoting... And it's it just it boggles my mind because Orwell was yeah he was from this place and he was warning mm. this place not to go down this path. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the greatest writers, uh, at least of the last century, that you guys have produced. Uh, why is it that the UK is is promoting this uh, ban on hate speech or going down this path? I think there's multiple reasons. One is our police have become politicised because we started with um, political figures, which are the police and crimes commissioners. So they are elected people. Now, we didn't used to have that. The law used to be the law. It was black. It was it was black and white. And that was it. Uh, But now it's more political. In addition to that, if you want to if you want to race up the ranks of the police, then you have to tick some diversity boxes. And that's because our police have had um, issues like Stephen Lawrence, where they didn't investigate a black man's murder because he was black. And the whole force was sort of it was it was just riddled with racism. And Mm. so on the back of that, then, in order to make sure that you're not that force, even though they're so disgustingly misogynist, I can't even begin to tell you. um, Mm. But that's not really a big deal for anyone, apparently, sexism and, and hating women. But if you want to if you want to climb the ranks, it's racism. In addition to that, the trans lobby group, of which apparently there isn't one, and yet we still have managed to change our laws with no lobby group uh, at all. Uh, this these mythical beings that just um, have trans in their minds, but have nothing to do with the trans lobby group. So they have they have basically infiltrated the structures and the services and the public bodies right across the country and it's very similar to what they did with the paedophile information exchange in the 1980s which was when they tried to change our consent laws and what you do is you put people in strategic positions in councils in the police in the judiciary um, in education in health and you attack these first before the next level i mean Hmm. if somebody said there's a powerful group of people that have actually been driving this and this is their strategic plan it doesn't sound like something i couldn't possibly believe so you said that it was tried before it was accomplished before like the same maneuver of capturing different public institutions to enforce a certain political outcome Um, yeah so it's uh has anybody since the 80s kind of like tried to fill those loopholes or or establish protections against this because if you know if a foreign power wanted to do this it it would completely destabilize you know the uk if if it's it seems like a huge vulnerability Mm. in your system well the ex ex muslims will talk about the fact that um that's happened with some of our sort of islamophobia type laws that's a bit like a blasphemy law coming back uh when Mm. we've we sort of abandoned them in the uk quite rightly and now they're sort of coming back through the back door and that will be powerful sort of um saudi muslims in positions of influence where what happens is when there's somebody running for a council uh, a council position, then money will be pulled from all different parts of the United Kingdom to ensure that a Muslim gets on a council. Now, at the moment, I I, I don't really know greatly what changes that that's uh, made. And now that trans is coming, um, unfortunately, any any gains uh, by way of uh, Islam is is going to be quashed because the trans seems to be so mighty mm. and powerful. Hmm. 
yeah, th that's the weird downfall of the intersectional politic is that if once you start prioritizing minorities, like eventually there's going to be a a majority minority or like mm. the highest minority that's going to quash the other ones or it's yeah. not going to get along with the other ones. And that's going to, you're going to have to expend a lot of resources to convince all these different groups that they are all on the same page. Um, other mm. than promising them political power in the future, like dangling that in front of them to get them in line. Once they get there, then it, it's going to be reorganized to certain people's disadvantage. Yeah. And there's also, well, like far away, there's uh, Soggy, which is going to be sexual orientation and gender identity, which overtakes biological sex. Um, and that's the Yogyakarta principles. And if you want someone uh, to explain that, have <laughs> you not heard of them? So no. it's going to replace biological sex, um, which is what we're seeing everywhere. Uh, and yeah. uh, the woman you all need to talk to about that is Sheila Jeffries. So the radical feminist, Sheila Jeffries, who's right. very good humoured um, and very, <laughs> she's, she's definitely a radical feminist. But she knows about the Yogyakarta principles and they are really frightening because they mm. will just obliterate biological sex and reality and they will replace the f most fundamental uh, construct within the society will be who you want to have sex with and what sex you think you are. Okay, there's all these different groups, and I don't want to mix them all up, but from okay. the Me Too movement came a big push for consent, like consent being like almost a barrier to mm. to free sexuality. Uh, it, yep. You have to get consent. So this other thing is going to completely demolish that, and you have it you know, being toyed with with the cotton ceiling and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, certain other movements that you see about people being shamed uh, for not yep. wanting to ha have sexual congress with somebody in a body that they're not attracted to. And But I just, I just think it's quite interesting that we are trying to pretend that really strong reactions to biological sex are are sort of made up and aren't real as, as if that doesn't happen throughout the animal kingdom that mm -hmm. biological sex is pretty damn important do you see that a tipping point's coming or do you still think that it's a i guess not a losing battle but it's it's at least pitched or not favorable for i think the olympics is going to do a great job if there are trans athletes competing in women's races and they're on those podiums i think that would generate a huge amount of conversation and that is one aspect i think that men really get it in the trigonometry podcast and i would say that these guys are, are not particularly woke um and they could see the difference between a man and a woman on the racing track but not in a woman's toilet you know, they could talk about the size and the strength um, of a man and the stamina of a man when he's on the track. Still saying he's a woman, but they don't understand how that poses such a massive risk to women in a small, confined space where you are not protected and you definitely are vulnerable. And I think it's a really interesting thing that, that I don't think many men understand because there's not many positions where men feel really small automatically just by the arrival hmm. you know for, for women it's just by the arrival of someone who's the opposite sex not someone who's enormous not someone who looks rough or hard or you know it looks like they're up for a fight just any man uh, creates a, a feeling of um vulnerability in most women mm -hmm. 
And so why is it uh, difficult for men to grasp that? And and I ask that in um, in the context of trying to reframe that argument so that men have, have access to that point of view. Um, I just don't think it's happened for men and i in the in the same mm. way so we are all informed by the experiences of our lives and unfortunately for women most of us have experienced uh discomfort with the sexual attention usually in teenage years of much older men like grown-ups so when i was about 15 um mm. a friend of mine's dad talked about my breasts you know and and that's i i i never felt like a victim so it wasn't like i then sort of went home and and felt terrible and wanted to shield myself from the world that isn't how it was but it it is a, a universal experience of women that they will have comments on their anatomy in teenage years by older men so you learn very very early on that those people can be a threat because you learn early on how you respond is then how they respond. So if, do you encourage? Do you tell them to fuck off? Do you ignore them? Do you try and sweetly smile? Do you have to suck it up and pretend it's all right? Because actually, if you say, don't talk to me like that, then you're a joyless bitch. Um, hmm. So I, I think it's it's just this, it's just constant um experience in life that informs the way women feel about men as we get older. and. I say that as someone who I absolutely, I, I probably at the moment prefer men, male company and have done for most of my life over women's company. I now have some really, really great female friends. <laughs> In my school years, I found men much more straightforward, much less complicated. Yeah. So I'm really coming from a place of thinking that men can be uh, perfectly decent human beings. I'm just well aware that I don't know who they are, whether they're decent, when they come into a space where I could be vulnerable. And, and men get it. Can I just say, Benjamin, men get it. And they get it because they don't, because when they have daughters, they suddenly remember exactly what men are like. And when they have their wives who are a little bit drunk, maybe, and they phone and they say, I'm just about to, I'm going to walk home. They know what men are like then because they will advise her to get a taxi. So I, I do think it's slightly disingenuous when, when men sort of say that, that they don't really understand why women are vulnerable. They bloody well have had conversations with men and they know what men are like. Hmm. So why do you think that there's such a resistance uh, on the bathroom front? Because uh, it, it seems to me that it, it has to do with politeness or manners. That was the, uh, the strongest point that the trigonometry mm. uh, guys put forward with the pronouns. <laughs> well, Gavin DeBeck, who talks about um, fear, he talks about politeness. So when, when somebody wants to um, attack anybody, they will use mm -hmm. politeness as a as a way of pushing through a boundary and so this is that just on a bigger scale so if somebody's going to um like break into your apartment and you've got a bag of shopping they'll ask if that you would like them to hold uh for them to hold your shopping or if you want some help now it's very difficult if someone says uh, can i help you most people would respond speak to that person say no thank you very much and that gives you an in to engage in a conversation that you wouldn't want to. So I think politeness has always been a way to break through, push through boundaries for an abuser. And I, I do feel like this is an abuse and gaslighting of 
uh, women and children and and men. My husband doesn't want to go into a public toilet and use a urinal and a girl who thinks she's a boy walks in. You know, none of us want to do that. Did you ever think that uh, society would all of a sudden arrive at a place like this where, where reality is being flipped this hard in this direction? No, no. I, who could predict this? Who could predict that I would have to have conversations as to why someone with a penis isn't a woman? You know, I've had so many conversations where it's like, well, what is a woman? But we know what a woman is. That's like saying, is rain wet? You know, we... These are these are things that we know and we don't know them because we sort of had a, a weird belief system for the last 5000 years or however long it is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's essential to humankind to know who is male and female, because if we can't work that out, we're not going to have any children. That's true. That's at least biologically true, unless our science catches up to our our daydreams. Oh, wouldn't that be awful? Were you a, are you a feminist? Were you a feminist? And what kind of feminism is yours? I know there's kind of several different branches. I'm not a feminist anymore. Okay. Um, I'm not a feminist anymore because I felt, I felt it kind of slightly veers into identity politics, number one. And two, uh, it's become a really big, fat, nasty rod to beat women with from other women like the the destructive and foul behavior of specific individuals who call themselves the most wonderful feminists including some that you've had on your um podcast um mm -hmm. i just i'm it's unfathomable it's mind-blowing the way that women have treated me and really friends of mine They've really tried to sideline me, which I think has failed spectacularly. Why you? What's about your position that they don't want? Well, I've read something really interesting, and I'm going to sound like an asshole, but I'm going to say it anyway. And this person uses the word stars in inverted commas, and it's about feminism because it doesn't have leaders. And when you have a vacuum of leaders, it doesn't really matter. You can't control that of how other people see the movement and see who they think are leaders so it's not up to if you don't elect a leader it's not up to you uh, in the movement to decide who other people see as stars um and that unfortunately has happened to me that uh i am seen as you know for other people they think that i'm leading this movement i don't really have anything to, much to do with many other people in the movement um and so that became an issue because then I didn't adhere to who, the people that felt that they should be leaders. I don't fit in with their ideas because once I'd seen what the left can do to me for saying that, does my daughter have the right to go in a female changing room and not see an adult penis? Once I saw how the left treated me for that, I started thinking, well, is that right? And I think that. So is that right? And my belief on this is this. And is that right? And I really felt that I owed myself um, the exploration to see why I had the beliefs I had and whether they were really valid or whether they were based on something I was supposed to think in the first place. And the left don't really like that. They've The, the women who have still seen the same things as me, um, they are still really, really embedded, rooted and stuck in the mob thing when it comes to lots of other issues in the mob thing the mob think 
think. Okay. So is that one of your, you you mentioned identity politics is something that you really thought that feminism veers into, but this is, which is, this is a very small point, but aren't you playing identity politics right now by, by defining what a woman is like by claiming an identity? Um, No, it's not an identity though, is it? It's a material reality. Okay. That's like saying a, a, a cat is a, is an identity. Uh, you know, we are, we are, <laughs> we are sexed beings. And my, my biology is, I think that must inform me, right? I was talking about this today about female male brains. And I was like, well, the female brain must work differently because I have a different body than a man. So my female brain has to process uh, different bodily functions than men do and my female brain has to adapt you know it's a very plastic kind of thing and it has to adapt to the way the world sees me but it's it's not it's it's just not an identity i think most women have felt their whole lives that they want to be seen as uh say as human and I, I know that becomes, we get then into the women aren't seen as human and we're victims and isn't this terrible? And I don't mean it like that. I just mean that mm. I would like someone to see past the fact that I'm a woman and talk to me on a level that maybe they would if I was male. Um, but I don't, I still don't want to be a man. <laughs> I'm very happy being a woman. <laughs> and what is it about the mob think that? triggers you that that worries you that that you don't want to be a part of or or that you resist i don't think it's real i don't think if you go along with thinking something because everyone else does and there's a lot of even worse than that there's a lot of attacking people because that earns you mob points so i feel that sometimes people have all joined in on a uh, on a sort of a big attack so when i challenged sarah mcbride i don't know if you're familiar with this episode in my activism so in the end of january this year i came to washington dc mm. and i was having meetings with representatives and what we were doing is we were trying to talk to them about strategy and about what was happening and how important it was not to include gender identity in the equality act and we're using gender recognition act that's why i was there as a brit and it was fantastic i Oh, I wish I was American. Um, just to walk <laughs> so around those late. corridors. It was, oh, it was so lovely. Um, huh. I think my husband might have something to say about that. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then we're walking past and I'm like, oh, I recognize that guy. I think that's Sarah McBride. And there was these sort of expensive cameras and there was this really tall guy talking about how important it was that his, oh, his role be seen as the gender they were and I was like wow and a few of the mothers recognized me and started telling me to fuck off um and at the end mm. of it Sarah McBride was in a room after having a meeting with Joe Kennedy um Sarah McBride was in a meeting room and I just said to the Americans we were with I'm going to go and talk to him and ask him some questions and I'm going to do it on live on Facebook and they were like oh and I said is it illegal am I uh, is something going to happen to me because I'm in these buildings, I'm in capital. Is anything going to happen to me? I know it's rude, might be impolite. I'm just going to do it. Is it illegal? No. And I was like, right, fine. So I go and ask him some questions. We're just going to talk to Sarah McBride. Excuse me, are you prepared to listen to the concerns of women about the Equality Act? And about why you're okay? Yeah, so am I. I want to know why this person is advocating to remove the safety for women and girls. 
Why do you want to do that? Why are you championing the rights of men to access women in women's prisons and rape and sexually assault them, as has recently happened in the United Kingdom? Why don't you care about lesbian girls at 14 having double mastectomies? Why don't you care about that, Sarah? Uh, this is Sarah McBride. He gets paid probably quite a lot of money to lobby the government to try and make sure that women and girls have absolutely no right to any space anymore. Shame on you. Sarah, yesterday I listened to mothers weeping over the fact that their daughters, teenage daughters, had had their breasts light off and radical hysterectomies involving removing, removing their wombs and, um, and ovaries. And he doesn't care, look. Would you, like to, would you like to speak to those mothers and tell us why you're championing an equality act that will ensure that a lot more of this happens to young lesbians, Sarah? Tell the entire LGB community how much you hate lesbians, Sarah. Well, I don't know that Sarah does have See, that. I think Sarah just did that already in the interview outside. We hear you very clearly, Sarah. We hear your hatred of lesbians very clearly. I walk in a room. I'm five foot one, for God's sake. I walk in a room. And I ask him questions like, why do you hate lesbians? Why are you trying to um, erase women's rights? That sort of question. That was reported and grabbed onto by the left mob, so women on my side, that I had harassed a poor, vulnerable trans woman at their place of work. And I had ambushed her, as they would say. I would ambush this poor woman at her place of work and I was hateful and one of the women who's a bloody law professor started saying it was potentially criminal um, and there was all this gleeful like we're the good guys look at her over there she's a bad one you know if you're going to talk about anyone being terrible it's her over there it's not us we're really reasonable uh, it's her and there's this monstering of me and that's what worries me about the left because None of those women could have really thought that. That was preposterous. If Sarah McBride had been Mike Pence and I'd gone, why do you hate women? Why do you want to force them to have babies they don't want? Everyone would have been like, oh, my God, she's just so brave. I, oh, she's my hero. But because mm. I was challenging a trans woman, which could only make me think that they potentially think that person is a vulnerable woman when actually he's just about to try and be a candidate, um, senator, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what worries me about the mob, that it's an unthinking, unconscious mass of um, anger. How do you counter that? Often I just ignore it. Sometimes I just, I just have to show that it doesn't frighten me and it doesn't really matter what I'm going to be accused of because I know why I'm doing it and I know what I'm doing is right. And the reason I'm doing this is because my conscience won't let me, now that I know what's happening, I want everyone to know. So there's no, I can't just walk away from this. I have to do this. Um, I'm, I'm just so great. Um, I'm just such a great person. Um, but, you know, I, I feel really compelled that I've got to do it. Okay. And I've got a 13-year-old daughter. And I know I felt, I felt very female my whole life. And I don't mean like um, I just feel like a woman every day. But I'm acutely aware that I'm, I'm female. And so I'm not buying it that you can just pretend that you are, and it's fine. How is it going then? Uh, have you have you seen movement? Have you seen uh, your work having a reaction? Yeah, but I think because whilst people are getting more aware, the actual 
concrete blocks of society is getting more transed um i think that's the that's the the fear so i think what happens is politicians are stupid um and i've never i, I always thought i couldn't be a politician because you have to be amazing um and now i think actually perhaps i'm a little bit too intelligent to be a politician um because they seem to think that what happens in the public square, the social media public square, is a genuine reflection of what how, of how people think. And it's just not. Most people don't think that men can have babies. Um, and they don't, you know, all these, all these narratives that are sort of foisted upon us on social media, most people don't really go along with in their real lives. Um, and don't even encounter it. Like, there are people in this country that have no idea that a policeman can intimately search you or that children are being given puberty blockers that properly fuck up their bodies when they're 11. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know anything about that. Um, and politicians are wrong when they think that they should trust the lobby groups informing them from a very one sort of focused uh, point, which is of the trans focus and the trans perspective. It's very odd that they don't, that nobody's thinking, you know, when when somebody goes to the police and says, oh, it's you know, really important with trans crime and um, being called a man, did anybody not think, well, what about if a woman calls a, a man who calls himself a woman a man? You know, what if a woman calls a trans woman a man? Like, has nobody thought that maybe women might know better about what a woman is? Did it, it, like, it's like it didn't even cross their mind. And is this uh, affecting both uh, or the entire government uh, in the UK, all the different parties? <laughs> the Conservatives don't buy it. The cons I think what's happened is a lot of the Conservatives, uh, so that would be our right, which is still very much left of anything that happens in America. Um, mm. So the Tories, they would, I think they're trying to do it to, to, to virtue signal to say that we're really lovely inclusive diverse you know we're into diversity and we're so brilliant because they they got uh, the whole uh, homosexuality thing so very wrong but mm. the, the labor party have been infiltrated by very 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 left activists and they're they're really foolish because half of those left activists for a start are quite middle class and by the time they're 45 they'll be voting tory anyway so it doesn't, you know, doesn't, it's not really about the longevity of the party, uh, yeah. but they seem to be a bit clueless. And then the Greens and the Liberal Democrats are absolute morons and they're fully on board with the trans women and women. So if you look at it in the long term, I, mm. I don't see how it's going to shake out in to, to enforce something that's not real, to enforce the belief that sex categories can be transcended by the sheer yeah. force of will and, and the imagination. That's going to require so much enforcement and so much just energy to maintain that. Mm. Um, so it's eventually going to erode a whole bunch of other things. Is there, do you think that, that looking at it in the long term, that, that, I don't know if hope's the right word, but do do you see that that eventually it's going to eat itself or, or collapse under its own weight? Yeah, I think these people are, are going to be given more room to speak than they really should take, and they'll take it, and everyone will wake up. And I think the danger is that 
if the trans monster gets so big, it will, and the, the LGB don't sever themselves from it successfully, then the backlash is coming against the whole of that group. I think that's the biggest fear, that actually, along with um, the reality of biological sex, homophobia will be relatively acceptable because look what they all did to us. You know, they, they mutilated our kids because it's LGBT. It's not just the trans. I mean, mm. I know it's the trans. Um, I know it's it's big pharma. It's um, the sort of the weight of paedophilia. And it's all of these other things that feed into this that aren't the only thing to do with this. Uh, social media, uh, media narratives, uh, the fact that all the time, no matter how much they try, all the time it's stunning and brave, um, this wonderful girl, let's raise, raise money so someone can have their breast cut off. Um, all of these stories still are not going to make someone think that it's okay, like in America, for a 12-year-old to have their breasts removed. You know, you're, I think there's going to be a lot of victims. I think in America what it will take is, is massive great big court cases where someone yeah. like Jazz Jennings eventually says to his parents what on earth have you done to me because i can't have a sexual relationship with anyone i can't wake up and look in the mirror and feel okay because i'm never quite woman enough and i can never be a man again you know i'm never going to look like the person i really am and i you know i i'd wholeheartedly give a lot give my you know well, not that much money. I haven't got very much. Um, but <laughs> I would certainly be very supportive of um, of those sort of cases. I, th I think they're coming. And I think in the UK, we, we just have a little less money in it. So there are cases now where someone is suing the Tavistock and Portman. And those things, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because all the people that have been like trans rights, human rights, all those people that have blindly followed this nonsense are going to come to a point where their opinion isn't popular and woke and wonderful. Their opinion is one that cost children their fertility. Mm -hmm. it, I think I've said this before, but it, it's kind of like a World War I situation where the, everybody's just sending the, this whole generation to slaughter over ideas that are so complex that in 100 years nobody's going to be able to figure it all out. It's... it's um it's just really sad i mean it's it's terrible and if there's a man in a woman's toilet it's really bad and but we can we can reinforce that we can we can get all that back uh we can you know maybe mm. some women will lose their olympic careers or whatever but we can have that back but those kids being mutilated they've got no hope whatsoever what sort of society does that who does that to girls and, and calls it fucking stunning and brave and beautiful and wonderful and loving? Who does that? I mean, that's, that's like serious, serious abuse to say to someone, we are allowing your, you to mutilate your body and we will enable you to do it because we love you. That's like a, that's so seriously, disgustingly abusive. Hmm. Do you think that, um, Allowances should be made for, um, uh, how do I phrase this? Because I, I know the, the trigonometry people have brought it up, and I've had multiple trans people on mm -hmm. my show um, talking about 
what is that and and what are the risks and and you know giving that person the space to talk is there it seems like the on a tactical level it's better to humanize um the people who who suffer through gender dysphoria rather than to go after the entire shebang because it's going overboard but it seems like your position is to draw a very strong line and I guess with you're fine with adults doing whatever they want to their bodies but the minors that's where your line is like where's the line how do you reinforce that line how do you how do you make sure that even if you are right um that you're not actually hurting your cause by not playing a very uh by by playing to the humanity of everybody involved hmm. I think it's I I think I'd keep this line because somebody has to and there's no one else keeping this line um mm. and i believe it anyway so i don't think it's strategically expedient to pretend that there is any such thing as as an actual transgender person i think there are troubled humans who can focus on a source of all of their issues and they can put that into something physical like their bodies and we know this happens because we know there are there are people that have starved themselves to death because they think they're fat and we know that that isn't really just their eyes not seeing what their body is we know that that's seriously distressing so the way i see it i would advise anybody getting getting um lots of plastic surgery so even a woman who decides to put implants the size of footballs and look hideous i would say that those sorts of extreme and i would say any gender type assignment whatever you want to call enhancement. it enhancement yeah. enhancement so i would probably call it amputation or mutilation but any of those things a you should be a fully fledged adult once you start the counseling so maybe at 18 you start a period of maybe three years of absolute week on week really hardcore psychotherapy with a doctor um counseling because actually our brains aren't fully formed until we're about 25 um often we have completely changed who we are or our views on lots of things certainly on views about ourselves from the age of 18 to 25 so let's say you have three years of absolute counseling then you know at the end of that if you still have the same rationale and you're unmoved and you want to do whatever you want to do to your body then it's not really anybody else's business it doesn't then mean that you can in inflict that on other people and force them to join in on whatever your motivation is or however you you see but you know it's not really any of my business i would rather people didn't damage their bodies i think sex is a really important part of an adult's life and you can't do that if you fuck around with your genitals like there may be people that that lie about it but you certainly can't do it if you've taken puberty blockers once you do puberty blockers and cross sex hormones your body doesn't function in a actual way and I, I don't know about you i mean i'm a happily married woman but i would certainly say that that having an intimate relationship is a really important part of being a, a happy adult mm -hmm. and you rob someone of that your presence and I, I guess your brand um and i mean that i don't mean that derogatorily but you're very iconic 
like you have an iconic name uh, your visage is like very memorable and and yet you don't you've carved out a place on the map where you're not in this camp you're not in that camp you're not in this camp you're not in that camp so either you have all these friends or all these enemies at any given time and it mm-hmm. i haven't carved that out i've been kicked out of everywhere <laughs> you just, getting, I, you're the can that everybody's <laughs> kicking uh, everyone just hates me so i've just refused to what happens is I get kicked off somewhere and then I'm like, right, okay, well, I still want to do something about this, so I'm going to have to find a different way. Um, have you heard of the group Women's Place? Women's Place mm, in the United yeah. Kingdom. So they've, they've done a lot of the talks. Um, on the back, So Venice Allen organised the first talks called We Need to Talk. And then they, defa- <laughs> they massively defamed me. They said I was a... Uh, they said some horrible <laughs> things about me. They said I had questionable views or something on race and religion. Um, which basically meant I didn't think little girls should wear hijabs. And I don't even know what the racing was about, but they decided that just right before they'd asked me to, they'd asked me to speak. And right before the event, they put this crap out about me and they didn't, they didn't give me an opportunity to just quietly go away. They basically just without telling me just totally just chucked me under like 55 buses. And Mm. So I became toxic in my own movement because I'm, then without evidencing what, what it was they were accusing me of, I was a racist and an Islamophobe. You know, it wasn't because women's place said it and they're really nice and they're on the left. So if they said that about her, then it must be true. Nobody even questioned it. It was just true. Um, and so I was like, right, well, I still I want to do something. And I think the essence of this is this so woman the word woman and that's what's being taken and so i had to i i I sort of came up with standing for women and i did it without my name because i didn't want this to be um not work because of me being attached to it so then when it started becoming something when i did the billboard uh then i could sort of come out again and i could be posy parker who did the billboard because I sort of said to Venice, I was like, Venice is like the wisest person. She gets the public really well. And I said, but I don't want anyone to know it's me because they might not buy a T-shirt or some stickers um, and they might not do it because they, they hate me. And she said, she was like, yeah, but it's going to have to be you. It's going to have to have someone attached to that. <laughs> you know, when if this if any publicity happens, you're going to have to give interviews. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I am. So that's that's how that happened. And then they've kicked me off um, Facebook. Yeah. And then I did the thing with trigonometry. What, they try and delete me from that. And Yeah. What happened with the Facebook thing? Because all of a sudden you were had just to be gone. verified or something. You don't. You, no, no, you no. Don't no it's just gone. They didn't even tell you. Yeah. And it says that they might not be. You, there's no way of asking for a start. Um, and mm. the help center just says sometimes it might be. Uh, it might go against security or something if we tell you. So we can't tell you. So they've been, I've been allowed to get away with stuff a lot over the last year on Facebook. So I've had people comment on my threads and they've been deleted or have like a three or seven day ban and I haven't. Hmm. So I think they were just waiting. <laughs> they were just waiting and waiting. But, I, you know, I, I, I just think what this is all about is I've got a good argument. And and I don't just mean me, but uh, it's very difficult to talk about myself without sounding like a um, 
someone with no modesty whatsoever. But I do think the reason I'm popular or known, maybe yeah. notorious, is because we now live in an age where people don't speak freely. So even just by virtue of just being able to speak freely, people sort of think that you're heroic, that there's something really special about you. But really, I'm too... Stunning I'm, you know, and brave. Yes, yeah, stunning and brave. But... 20, 30 years ago, I'm two a penny. I'm no one. I'm just the opinionated woman who talks too much in a greengrocer's. You know, it's huh. everyone was like me. It's just because I haven't changed. The world has. Huh. Do you think that that's going to come back in fashion? Yeah. I do. I think, actually, I think what's what's interesting, there's some publications that are bubbling around, the, skirting by the edges at the moment. Spiked is one of them, Spiked Online. And mm. I think that what's happening with them, it, it's what happened with, it, right, it's what happened with UKIP and Brexit, right? This is what happened in mm. this country. Everybody postures and tries to get the best soundbite and tries to say things that are going to appeal to everyone, which actually appeals to nobody, all the time and just looks like spin and created and crafted messages and then you had nigel farage come along and what he did whether he did it or not is another issue but what he sounded like is that he was shooting from the hip that he was unthinking that what he said was really genuinely what he meant and the public was so desperate for someone to talk like that that he became the guy that talks the truth now whether he does or not is another issue um I, d I think I think he's somewhat crafted himself, mm -hmm. but he also seems like the guy down the pub who just says it how it is, and yeah. so he became really popular. And if we didn't live in this sterilised soundbite culture, he wouldn't have made it because mm. it, what his message was wasn't powerful enough. It was just the fact that he said it how he said it. Hmm. So if if we flood the market with dangerous thinkers, then the then they'll they'll battle with each other. But because the playing ground is bullshit, or you know, uh, less bullshitty bullshit, I guess yeah. there's no way to to test the the dangerous ideas, the things that are off limits. Mm. I mean, who knew that it would be controversial to say women don't have penises? Or going on the, I think I was one of the first per people to go on the television uh, with Adrian Harrop and say, I think the woman said something like, uh, what do you have against trans women? And I was like, well, I don't. I just don't think they're women. And that was like, a, oh, my God, someone said it. Oh, my God, that's amazing. How could that possibly be amazing? Who knew five years ago that would be an amazing thing to say? Actually, I just don't think people with penises and Adam's apples and massive hands and feet who are about six foot five, I just don't think they are women. I mean, it's, it's not even remarkable. I'm boring. I'm plain Jane. I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm the woman that talks too much in the greengrocers. Uh, yeah. I'm the woman that shut the fuck up in the library. I'm just, I'm that woman. And yet, because of what we live in, I am, I am somewhat known. Yeah, the idiocy of your times has granted you a great boon of popularity. <laughs> yeah, otherwise I was just, I was getting to the point where my, you know, my youngest is 11. I'm sure my husband's going to be sort of saying, do you want to, do you want to get a job? <laughs> do you fancy earning some money? Do you want to, maybe. And I'm like, hey, no, I've now got this, <laughs> I've now got this cause. I'm so busy. I will say though, I sort of looked at, 
looked at a few of your videos. I was I was shocked at the number of people you'd had on before me on our side. I'm just going to say. Um, <laughs> I thought you were but, too big of a deal. I didn't know that you would. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you liar. Um, but it was it's it's quite interesting that most. So you don't fall into this category, but you will be alone in this. That most men, and it is men that have these podcasts that are popular podcasts and and YouTube channels. It's mostly men. They don't seem to have women on talking about the conflict of rights between trans perceived trans rights and women's rights they mostly have trans or men so there have been some men that have done the odd thing that then get taken up and it's really interesting because i don't want to do, I, I i'm not a feminist i keep saying to people i'm not a feminist i, I think blah, 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 I, I think this and i, I don't want to be i don't want to fall into this category and then i'm like where are the women like on the intellectual dark web unless you're pro-porn or um, you're anti-feminist, uh, those men, all of them, none of them are giving women a voice. So, hmm. I mean, you, you're a standalone. But if you think about the sort of, um, on this issue in particular, it's, it's very interesting that, that very few women get to talk about it. Really, that just doesn't make sense to me because it's... A story about gender and you should probably open <laughs> it only it makes sense if it's really sexist doesn't it, it only makes sense oh. if the world is actually really at the beginning and end of it all pretty hmm. sexist and i use sexist as opposed to misogynist because i don't think those men hate women i just think those men think that men have more important opinions when it comes to what's happening to women's rights <laughs> 